course, like every other teenage kid, I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. When I was 16 years old, I took off and drove across the country to Wyoming, went into the Wind River Range and discovered mountains. In 1973, Yvonne Chouinard founded Patagonia. I never wanted to be a businessman. All I wanted to do was do my craft and climb mountains. So then I had to figure out a way to where I was going to be a businessman, but I was going to do it completely on my own terms. Build the best product, cause no unnecessary harm, inspire and implement solutions to the environmental crisis. Join us at Patagonia.com. You're listening to The Dirtbag Diaries, a production of Duct Tape Thin Beer, with additional support from REI, Fireside Provisions, and Kuat Racks. Jim Hurston and Ann Smith live in the Bay Area. They're in their 50s. Jimmy's worked the same computer science job since he graduated college in 1982, and the two of them have been together almost that long. If we make it until uh, September, that'll be 30 years. That's Ann. She worked full-time as well until a year and a half ago. They have two kids, a 17-year-old daughter. I'm Kara. And a 13-year-old son. I'm Connor. Jim and Ann have spent much of the past 17 years shuttling Kara and Connor around the city between piano lessons, gymnastics classes, flag football, soccer, cross-country meets, and SATs, among other things. This year... It's hard to get in more than a couple hours at a time as a family before they have to rush Kara back to her mountain of junior year homework. All around, a relatively normal American family. Except for this one thing. Okay, we're about to start pitch one. How are you feeling? Pretty good, dude. Okay. Oh, boy. Lay on. Climb on. This is the sound of Jim, Connor, and Tim. Tim is a strong 16-year-old the Hersings know from the climbing gym starting up the first pitch of the classic Steck Salathe, a route that ascends 1,500 feet of sustained off-widths, chimneys, and generally awkward climbing up Yosemite's Sentinel Rock. In Jim's words, a grueling, wide, 16-pitch, old-school, crazily sandbagged 5-9. This is not an unusual outing for Jim and his kids. While most families go on weekend trips to the park for a barbecue or maybe for a nice day hike, Jim and his kids get their family bonding time in Yosemite, a thousand feet off the deck. For the majority of climbers, a big route in the valley is like a capstone to a climbing career. It requires a culmination of skills that take most climbers years, even decades, to obtain. A high level of physical strength and endurance, a deep understanding of rope systems, some grasp of aid climbing, and a hard-earned comfort on Yosemite's granite walls, while every bit is unforgiving to the uninitiated as they are breathtakingly beautiful. For the Hurston kids, these climbs are big days, but not big deals. Today, we bring you the ultimate weekend warrior, a story of a normal family who regularly sneak in once-in-a-lifetime pursuits between middle school cross-country meets and school on Monday morning. I'm Jen Alchel, and you're listening to the Dirtbag Diaries. Okay, I am about to start the first pitch. I'm officially off of the ground. 
Well, as usual, it's not going to be very hard to clean this pitch, or these two pitches, should I say. Um, because it seems that Dad does not like placing pieces, or maybe he likes it, he just does not feel the need. How many times would you... I mean, I don't know if you have an exact number, but how many walls do you think you've done? I haven't done that many different walls, but I've done the nose and the salve a lot, I'd say. I'd say I've done at least 25 salve and 40 noses. How many times do you think you've been to the top of El Cap and Half Dome? Oh, 80, I'm guessing, maybe more. Wow. We've done the speed record on Half Dome couple times and interestingly we did it when he got up there and had only one climbing shoe and one approach shoe. This is Hans Florin, arguably the greatest speed climber of all time. He and Alex Honnold hold the current record on the nose. He's had a couple shoe challenges. Like his shoelace broke when me and him got the speed record on the nose. The speed records that Jim and Hans set have since been bested. But that doesn't take away from the fact that they climbed El Cap in under four hours and Half Dome in less than two. Jim's resume continues from there. He's one of a handful of climbers to have free climbed the Salathe, a 35-pitch 13B up El Cap. In short, Jim is quietly one of the most talented Yosemite climbers of his generation. Maybe ever. So, why have you never heard of him? His understated tone is something that used to be revered, not so much anymore, but he comes from a generation where you didn't spray about yourself. This is Chris Kalous, our friend from over at the Enormacast, who knows the climbing scene as well as anyone. There's this analogy with musicians where um, there's a great many incredible musicians that nobody's heard of in terms of popular culture, uh, but that most musicians have a reverence for. And... You know, we call them, it's sort of cliche, but we call them musicians, musicians, right? Because we understand how great they were. Some of these old blues players that never got their due or whatnot. But my impression is that he is the climber's climber. He's a weekend warrior that goes in and does half dome in a half day and comes back and then mows the lawn Saturday evening or Sunday morning with his kids, you know. Welcome to the 80s. Neon Lycra, hair metal, bad synth music, and the beginning of Jim and Ann's climbing careers in Yosemite. There were just a few areas. There was no sport climbing, no climbing gyms, and so that's sort of where you learned. The big walls, we didn't climb for a long time. A lot of things have changed over those 30 years. The valley has become exponentially more crowded and more regulated. The neon spandex epidemic was eradicated. Although that trend does seem to have come back. And Jim and Anne have turned into incredibly talented climbers. One thing that has not changed, Jim's stoke for climbing and his tendency to set audacious goals for himself and then follow through. Did he tell you about his first time up half jump? So we've been climbing about a month at this point. My friend had read a book on how to aid, so we thought that was good. And I think he'd been practicing aiding by nailing the tree in his backyard. At the time, I thought grades were absolute. I thought they were objective measures. And so I did my first 10C at Joshua Tree, and I looked at the topo at Half Dome and said, oh, I can do this because it's, you know, 5'9". And off they went. I thought he was probably nuts for doing that. Needless to say, we had the huge epic. 
just getting to the base, we almost died. We took all day to do six pitches. Then they just somehow stumbled their way up to the top over two and a half days in very little water. And we ran out of food. Learned lots of important lessons, like you make sure the bagels you take on a big wall have preservatives in them. You don't get the bagel in the bagel baker. You don't do that. They turned rock hard on the first day. And so for three days, which was a day and a half more than we had for water, we tried to choke down these bagels and just could not get through them. And we just crawled to the top. It was the most <laughs> exhausting. It was, but we survived. You know, we were young, so we, we survived. But it's, it's still my most memorable wall. Not, not very uh, <laughs> proud, but definitely memorable. So after that, he dialed it back for a while. It was probably at least a year after that before he went and did the nose and El Capitan. And that, that was my first real wall, and I, uh, we sewed a homemade hole bag, which was really bad because it doesn't slide at all. It was awful. In fact, yeah, I hauled one other wall. I did the South A as a wall once. And then I didn't haul for 20 years because um, yeah, it's so hard to haul. <laughs> it's really backbreaking. Does that just mean that everything you've done, you've done in a day? Yeah, yeah. So then, then we started doing it in a day, and it was a lot more fun. If, if it's too epic, they're not going to come back. Uh, I, I mean, I think I, I know I lost Anne that way. She doesn't climb with me in the valley anymore. As Jim was getting hooked on big walls, sport climbing began to take off. Anne developed an immediate preference for the more gymnastic, lower-risk style of climbing. You know, I, I appreciate that people want to climb in that sort of very bold style, but to me, it's like a, it's like a bad drug. I, I don't want it. If I can climb and be in beautiful places and not have to experience that kind of risk, why wouldn't I? She used to be a really good valley climber. She, she, she could follow anything. She led the West Face. But there were a couple epics, totally my fault, <laughs> and she just said no. <laughs> well, yeah, we, we had a couple of climbs that weren't, weren't super great. I did this route, PowerPoint, where, now this wasn't my fault, <laughs> but I was packing up in the Elkhart Mails and a friend came by. And I had all this wide gear and this friend said, oh, you don't need that. And he just gave me this homemade cam. And so I took the cam with me, and PowerPoint has this wide pitch, and the cam inverted. So I only had this one cam, and it was inverted. And for two hours, I was up there dying, screamed, and I'm going to die. <laughs> and I was serious. I was never so scared. And Anne really had to go to the bathroom. <laughs> so she, like, went off to go, and I yelled at her. And I think that might have been the last time she climbed with me. <laughs> she said, I don't want to watch you die for two hours <laughs> and so she laughs that out but I think you know that kind of uh, it just had too many of those and she's like you go do your thing I'm going to support climbing <laughs> so that, that's unfortunate because Anne was my best partner and I'm, I'm sorry I lost her do you think you'll ever get her back? no <laughs> I don't think so <laughs> I think the damage was done I think Anne's very smart and, and these weren't small ethics
weren't world class by any means, but we were pretty good. I mean, I think 20 years ago now, my hardest climb was a 13B. There were maybe fewer than 10 women in the country at that time who could climb at that level. And then, of course, Jim has this unique ability with the crack climbing. I mean, his ability in that area actually is world class. In spite of their different preferences and route type, Jim and Anne were having the time of their lives. But this little question started to pull more and more insistently on their pant legs. In our late 30s, basically all we talked about on the trip to the valley was, okay, we're going to have to start a family here soon. And I go, just not us, I mean, all, all our friends. And there's always this pushback of like, oh, but life's really good right now and really fun and we're not going to be able to do this afterwards. And, and that's true. We, we held off having kids for a long time yeah, until Anne hurt her shoulder. When I hit about 35, I think I was already starting to break down. I, you know, I got this sort of perpetual asthma where I couldn't run anymore. I injured a shoulder, had some shoulder surgery. It was kind of clear that, the, you know, sport climbing, some people can continue to improve, but... Uh, not me. So to me, it's like even though I still loved it, like the natural peak was past. I was still under 40, so it was, it was time to shift to family mode. It, I mean, if we were going to do it, that was the time. The years before we had kids, we used to do over 100 days a year outside. And then the first year Kara was born, I did 20 days outside, and then I did 12, and I think Anne did like three. So it was quite the drop-off. And to be honest, there were ages where I, you know, I wasn't such a good parent. When they were young, I would take them to the park, and you know, I'd say, oh, wow, you know, that was four hours. That was great. And I'd look at my watch. It was like 15 minutes. And it's like, oh, my God, this is never going to end. And it's not like I wasn't having fun, but it was like, this is a long time to sit at a park. <laughs> We're at the top of the Wilson. Oh yeah. <laughs> Kids just got through it in style. Yeah. What do you think I think of the Wilson guys? Oh that was beefy dude. <laughs> dude that was that was fun? Awesome. This is really fun. Yeah. That was super, super fun. Yeah. Come on up here. We're at a hanging belay because I just stretched some we don't really have a topo, we're just going hundred uh, sixty meters and putting in a belay. <laughs> <laughs> and so we're kind of at a hanging belay here. So, oh well. Okay. The kids got older. The scales of life balance began to tip back a little as the Hersons spent less time in the park and more time in the climbing gyms that had popped up around the bay. Then, Kara turned nine, and her and Jim teamed up with another family with a six-year-old and a nine-year-old, and they climbed Snake Dyke. When Kara was 11, her and Jim climbed Snake Dyke in a day. The next year, Specked Salathay and the northwest face of Half Dome. Twice. Once wall style, and once, in the winter, in a day. That year, Connor, seven at the time, ticked off Royal Arches. 2012, the year after that, Jim and Kara bagged the west face of El Cap and Incredible Hulk. And the entire family, both kids and parents, romped Snake Dyke again. The following season, Connor followed Jim up the east buttress of El Cap and led Royal Arches. And Jim and Kara topped out Astro Man and, wait for it, the nose, in a day, no Jumars. I just left out about three quarters of their tick list. 
I think Dad just forgot that I was climbing. And I'm a big whip of slack. Oh, there he goes. Wow. What do you know? He actually pulled up the rope. I think we definitely operate a lot on the don't ask, don't tell policy. But he doesn't want to put them in a situation where they're going to hate it or put them in unnecessary risk. You know, as long as he does things like, say, a uh, 40% chance of thunderstorms, that won't do for a first El Cap route. <laughs> that, uh, that, that makes me feel a lot better. You think that's kind of a low bar? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, no, that is a pretty low bar. Yes, it is a low bar. But, you know, if you, if, if you knew Jim, though, you would be a little impressed. <laughs> I once started El Cap in a rainstorm. And, and that was the only time I ever backed off, and that's because my partner was totally green and couldn't take it. What? <laughs> so, well, yeah. How far did you get up El Cap in uh, the rain? Pretty far. Uh, not that far. We got to Hartledge. Um, so, how far you know, up is that? Uh, I think 10 pitches. In the um, active rain? Not only was it active rain, but Hart is a place of El Cap that literally funnels all the water on the, on the southwest side into one point. <laughs> And we were jugging the ropes to bring our gear up. And it was just a waterfall. It was just, we were jugging a waterfall. What, um, have you, what have you backed off with the kids? Okay, so this, will, again, will not seem impressive to you, <laughs> but I did a winter with Kara on Half Dome. And there was like a foot of snow on the ledges at Half Dome. And her toes were, I mean, they were totally frozen. And her fingers, she couldn't move her fingers. And she didn't want, say she wanted to go down, but it was clear she wasn't having fun. And... Um, now that may not be a really great example of, but you know, we did back off. We we did rappel down. Anne's right. In spite of his questionable examples of flawless parental judgment. Jim really does seem concerned above all that his kids have fun climbing with him. One day, a few years ago, he and Connor had plans to climb Half Dome. The morning of the climb, Connor, 10 at the time, got completely immersed in digging a hole in the dirt with a stick. He seemed equally interested in that as he did in the climb, so they didn't go. With all of the stories of epics from his early days of big wall climbing and from climbing in the valley with Anne, no one in the family could come up with a story of Jim climbing with his kids that would count as a legitimate epic. The closest anyone could get was an unfortunate tendency to forget to pack a working headlamp and to go a little light on water. And it sounds like maybe mm. once or twice there was a very light amount of water in the backpack. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that is true. When you say you go a little light on water, what does that mean? Well, I went a half a liter a person for uh, Astroman. And it was a scorchingly hot day, and we ran out right away. And on the west face was even worse. I think we took a half a liter each, and it was like 95 or something. That was memorable. <laughs> yeah, that's why I figured Kara really is tough. I mean, she did not complain, but she was so parked, she couldn't talk. <laughs> she, was, she was really dry. And we went back to do the route actually a couple weekends ago. It's much nicer with water. <laughs> yeah, the, the, it's unfortunate, the water thing. <laughs> I try working on that. It's not something I do on purpose, though.
the narrows. Narrows time. Connor is about to send the nar rope. I don't know about set. Okay, I gotta traverse. I first I gotta traverse over to the spot where I have to go up. Okay, now I think I just gotta go up and in. Just that man, you got it. Okay. Okay, this is a sketch. You're officially inside Sentinel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is really awkward. Oh yeah. Does it fat because of that? Not fully, my legs are still out. Yeah. Come on. Oh, and he's in. Woo! <laughs> Keep going, man. Tell me about your dad. Well, I mean, it's pretty awesome. Like he takes me up all these like really big routes and you know, he does all the leading, he takes the pack, he kind of um, takes all the burden and just lets me follow, and he, he's been really supportive. Connor, I think, he just thinks that the act of climbing is fun, as far as I can tell. You know, I said, you know, Connor, you want to climb with Dad? And he goes, well, of course, why wouldn't I? Well, it's been really fun. I mean, that's, like, you know, you just have the fun, you know, get out there, do the climb, especially on the summit, you know, you can get some really good views. Even, like, just that makes it worth it to go up and... I really enjoy it. That's why I do it. <laughs> Kara, she really loves being out in the mountains and having the adventure and the beauty, the position, being with her dad, the athleticism. Some of the pictures he has of her, like on the first half dome, for example. I mean, that's a happy kid having the time of her life. It's, it's always a really great experience, something to bond over. To really spend that much amount of time with your kid, it. it um... I think has formed our relationship. It changed her dynamic as a teenager. I'm her climbing partner. She can't really rebel against that in the traditional teen parent. You know, we, we have a, a different type of relationship. I have complete trust in her. I would never check her electronics or question where she is when she goes out. I, I have complete trust in her judgment. These last few years with school and the climbing competitions, our time together climbing in the valley and the backcountry has really diminished. And that's okay. I'm, I'm hoping when she comes up for air that climbing with dad will be like a, a special downtime. But now Connor has time. Alright, Green is climbing. Come on, Tim. Oh, nice. Are you in? Yeah. Nice. That's a hold. Slightly stuck. Holy crap. I almost gave up so many times. <laughs> I'm grateful for what we've been doing with the kids and and I, it's luck I mean the kids are into it but I wish I was younger to take them climbing now I'm now 55 
and I can still take the kids climbing, I could do a lot more if I was younger. You know, when you climb with kids, it's, it's basically a margin of safety. And as they get older and weaker, that margin diminishes. I'm taking them out by themselves, so I have to be able to rescue them. I can't be on the edge of anything. I have to be well below my limit. I have to be able to climb with the pack and carry them down if there are problems. And so you really have to be honest with yourself. I mean, I'd, for instance, I'd love to do a link-up with the kids. I, I had this vision of doing Half Dome with Connor and The Nose with Kara, and I'm just too old. You know, 10 years ago, I might have been able to do that, and now the safety's not there. Um, so that's a minor thing to regret, but so a more practical example than like whining about not being able to do like a gnarly link-up with my kids because I'm old. <laughs> so I always carried the, Kara's pack until I had like an elbow injury and then I started giving her the weight and now I'm giving some of the weight to Connor and that's an example of where if I was younger I would I would have taken the pack and not thought about it. Giving the weight to the kids makes it less fun for them. So I kind of go light on the pack. <laughs> so it's a double-edged sword. I mean, I should be taking more water on some of these and I, I try to. Um, but um, I, you know, if you take too much, I can't climb. You know, if, if the pack's too heavy and I'm carrying it, it's, it's more dangerous than going light. Um, so, you know, the front end was really fun. We got to climb all the time. But on the back end, climb with your kids is better if you're younger yeah. and stronger. What about in five or ten years from now when they can lead you Yeah, up? Yeah, then I'll go up anything. They, if they, once they can rescue themselves, I'm, I'm in there. And in fact, uh, it was cool. Kara and I went out this weekend, um, and she led the whole thing. And I just trucked along after her. It's great. And Connor, he'll grab the sharp end and go up. So if they can lead, I think that would be really cool. That's the goal, to see if they'll drag me up stuff. And we are at the summit. <laughs> oh yeah, nice. Good view from here. Oh man, good workout? So good. <laughs> This episode of The Diaries was made possible by the good people at Patagonia who strive to use raw materials that are good for the planet, like hemp. Hemp produces a strong fiber without the use of pesticides, synthetic fertilizers, or irrigation. Unfortunately, it's illegal to grow in the U.S. Patagonia supports the Industrial Hemp Farming Act to bring production stateside. Their new short film, Harvesting Liberty, is about the reintroduction of hemp into Kentucky's agriculture. Watch it at patagonia.com. Support for the show also comes from Kuat Racks, a little company who believed that they could build a better bike rack. Mountain biking season is here. Don't try to shove your dirty bike in your car or struggle with some janky rack. Visit kuatracks.com and check out their lineup of easy-to-use roof racks and hitch racks to transport your bike to and from the trailhead in style. Additional support comes from REI and Fireside Provisions. A huge thank you to the Hersons for sharing your stories. Jim writes a hilarious blog, seriously, you gotta check it out, about his climbing endeavors with his kids. You really should see it. You can find the link on our website. I also wanna say thanks to Chris Kalous. Seriously, thank you. You're awesome. We love what you do. If you live and breathe climbing, you've probably already discovered the Enorma cast. 
the best podcast about climbing. Like it's all about climbing. So if you're passionate about that sport and you want to hear over 100 interviews with climbers, check it out. The Normal Cast. Subscribe to it wherever you get your podcast. Thanks, Caloose. Music today from Hopeless Jack, Hemet, Mott Fliff, The F'd Up Beat, The IMG, David Mumford, and Amy Stolzenbach. The tracks are courtesy of Free Music Archive or the artists themselves. Jacob Bain and Nice Koto performed our theme song. As always, you can find links to the artists on our website, dirtbagdiaries.com. This episode was produced by Jen Ultral and me, Fitz Cahal. Becca Cahal is our executive producer. You have been listening to the Dirtbag Diaries. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for tuning in.